Hey everyone, my name is Graham Parker, and you're listening to the Around Pickens Podcast. You know, back in episode two, when I was talking to Chairman Stancil, I remarked that understanding how county government works can be a bit confusing, since it isn't structured like our state or national governments. We're not our own little country down here in Pickens, we still have follow the same laws they pass. But we also have room to come up with a few rules of our own. Things like, what kind of buildings can go on different property classifications? standards for how we should look after our land, and rules about pets and livestock. Official decisions about these sort of things are written down and codified in what we call our Code of Ordinances. The Code is a means to keep an orderly written record of local law for both government officials and citizens to reference. You can find our code on our website, pickensga.com, under the About section. But who, you might ask, enforces these codes? These are laws just as valid as any other, but you wouldn't necessarily want to call the sheriff's office out just because your neighbor's grass is up to your neck. Well, that's where the county marshals come in, and our guest today happens to be the man in charge. Mike Carswell has a law enforcement career stretching back four decades, and in that time, Mike has had a number of different positions. Even so, though, Mike has never had a job quite like this one, where each day he and his deputy have to respond to an eclectic set of ordinance violations, and sometimes things beyond that. I caught up with Mike to set the record straight on what his office is and is not responsible for, as well as how folks should get in touch if they need to report something. So come on along, and let's learn a little bit about what the marshals do. So, uh, your your title is Chief Marshal of Pickens County? That is correct, Chief Marshal, and a lot of people just shorten it to Chief. Oh, I got you. And how long have you been in that role? Let's see, it would be in this particular role, I think we're going on about a year now. Okay. But you uh, you just mentioned being the chief of police in Holly Springs? Yes, sir. That's correct. So clearly you've got a, a long history in law enforcement. Uh, before we jump into your office, can you tell me a bit about your background and how you ended up being our uh, chief marshal? Uh, yeah. I started in law enforcement in 1982 uh, and retired from Marietta Police Department, then went to Holly Springs, ultimately becoming chief there, and then retired from there and came to the Pickens County Sheriff's Office, and I was approached by Commissioner Stansel about this opportunity, Uh, and he had some vision for it, and I, I too saw some things that could be done with the Marshal's Office, and it would involve also animal services and and some of the growth coming with the county, some 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 things that could be done to potentially improve it. Uh, I love challenges, and indeed it's been a challenge, but it's been fun too at the same time. So once they afforded and offered me this opportunity, I said it looks like a good one, and so I chose to proceed with it. Well, sounds like you definitely do like a challenge. I, I think. 35 years to a career, most people are trying to sort of vend it comfortably, but you're taking on a job that you've never done before. That's correct. It's it, That's another reason why I, I, I chose to do so is because that's it's something that I've never done, and I'm always interested in learning new things, and boy, I'm learning fast. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I'm, uh, I think your office has got to be one of the busiest in the building, but also probably one of the least understood. Um, I mean, you sent me your statistics for 2022. Amongst which, I see you responded to calls about uh, buildings without permits, uh, delinquent tax notices, funeral escort, illegal camping, dumping, parking, right-of-way violations, welfare checks. Uh, Is it safe to say your office has a pretty broad mandate? Oh, very, very broad. Uh, I mean, if if we get it, we'll, we'll, 
we'll work on it, we'll handle it, we'll make it work somehow. But officially, uh, we're charged with enforcing the ordinances, code of ordinances of Pickens County. In brevity, that's what we do. But if somebody calls and they need our assistance, then we won't turn it down. We'll go. Yeah. So succinctly put, your office uh, ostensibly responds to any ordinance violations. That's correct, Crane. I got you. Given that you do respond to so much, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a good question to ask. What are some calls that you wouldn't be responsible for? Typically, uh, calls like property crimes, uh, vandalism, things like that, burglary, uh, uh, an auto accident. You know, dispatch to an auto accident. Now, of course, if we see one, we're going to assist. We're going to be there. Uh, obviously, if there's a crime in progress, we're going to assist. We're going to be there. Uh, the the uh, Deputy Marshal and myself were sworn by the sheriff as well as, as lo- along with the powers that are given to us through through the county commission, um, so we can execute the same powers as a deputy from the sheriff's office can. Uh, so we have that along with the enforcement of ordinances. So there's nothing that we're going to shy away from. Yeah. Well, given that you have so much to respond to. Uh, what what does a typical day look like for you? Are you just waiting to hear anything that comes along? A typical day? Ah, well, that depends on how many, what kind of calls of, for service we get. Uh, uh, sometimes a typical day can be uh, the enforcement of uh, people building without permits to people who need to maintain their properties a little bit better, up to and including unruly peacocks to uh, injured horses to to uh, cattle that need attention to uh, uh, environmental concerns uh, sewage runoff uh, dirt in the roadway I mean I could just go on and on and on it's so it's so so varied uh, not to mention, we work closely with the Planning and Development Department with concerns they have, they need our, our assistance with, the TAG office on legal documents that need to be served. So we stay very, very busy. So a tip, I don't think I've had a typical day yet. So, and then, of course, we've got court appearances we have to make and, and things like that. Uh, the investigation of cruelty to animals, uh, that's, you know, we, we have those coming our way. Just when you think you're going to have a typical day or it's going to be one of those days that uh, this is just a every other kind of day thing, somebody throws a curveball. So, My goodness. Well, I, I heard you mention animals a number of times, so I guess you work closely with animal control. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we're, 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 we're joined at the hips. Uh, anytime we, we, we try to go out with the animal control officers, anytime they go out, uh, especially if it's going to need more than just encouragement, some guidance on how to take care of the animals. Uh, if it's going to result in citation, then we're definitely going to be there for that. Uh, but a lot of what we do uh, is assist in the initial investigations if there is a concern. Um, and you'll hear me mention this over and over and over, and I'm going to go ahead and get this out there now. Our last resort is issuing citations. That's not what the marshal office is here to do. Our, our, our first concern is to get information out about how to, to, to comply with the ordinances and all the aspects that we've already discussed. 
and then educate, and then try to convince, try to gain cooperation, and then warn, and then maybe warn again, and then maybe a citation. So that's the way we approach what we do. Well, I think that touches on something I was really curious about. I think uh, anytime I think of a law enforcement office, I think about just probably a need to be on your guard from person to person you interact with because you're not necessarily sure um, how that's going to go. But it seems your job in particular is inherently confrontational. So I'm just curious, what qualities have you found serve you best in helping to work with people through the issues you're called out on? When you when you approach the, the folks that, that sometimes we have to engage with, don't come at them as so much an authoritative police type figure. Come at them as a person. Uh, come to them trying to identify that there may be underlying issues that we're not aware of. Uh, let's try to understand what's going on and talk to them like they're a person. Uh, show that you have some understanding. Show that you have some compassion. Show that you're willing to work with them. Uh, the end result, again, is like I said, is not to write a citation. The end result is to get the problem, whatever that problem may be, resolved. Uh, and I would say 99, if not almost 100% of the time, we get compliance, we get results through that method. Um, I've used this term with people before, don't hide behind the badge, be who you are, because there was a reason you were called into this line of work um, because you wanted to make a difference. Uh, and if your heart's pure and that's truly what you wanted to do, then you're going to relate and you're going to want to help people in a sincere and real way. And people can see that. They, they, they know that. Now, does it always work? No. But I can tell you through my experience, for the large majority of my career, just looking somebody dead in the eye and talking to them and explaining, we've got a situation here that we've got to work through together one way or the other. And we can make it work positively if we go this route. It works most of the time. I have to tell you, that, that's a great outlook. I think that's exactly what anybody wants to hear uh, somebody wearing a badge say. Let's talk about the uh, public reaching out to you. How should someone go about filing a report, and what information is really essential for you to do your job? The best way, and I want to, I wanna, first of all, I want to make something very, very clear. And if it's an emergency, if it's a crime in progress, if it's something that there is, is jeopardizing someone's well-being, if it's something that you need emergency assistance through law enforcement now, call 911. Don't dial the marshal's office phone number. Don't 911. People say, I don't want to use 911 for that because that's an emergency. If it's important to you, call 911. That's the first step. The second step is you can reach out to us on the Marshall's website, on the Pickens County government website, and there's a web portal where you can fill out a, an online document and you can give us your complete information. And when I say complete, your name, your, your address, a phone contact, and then there's an area for a narrative in there and what type of complaint or concern you have. And we will get back to you ASAP uh, if, it's, if it's on a weekend, 
It could be the, the following Monday before we get back to you, but we'll get back to you as soon as possible. And then the third way is to call the marshal's office number at 706-253-8986. And when you contact us, be prepared for us to ask you questions that would require a little more detail uh, so we know what we're dealing with uh, and how we can best approach this matter to get resolved. And and I'll let uh, everybody know, we'll include links to all that in the uh, description for this episode. But what I'm hearing you say is ideally if a person notices an ordinance violation, they want to bring it to your attention, they should go through the website and submit that form. That would be my first preference. Uh, and then the second would be to call the marshal's office number. Uh, that, that number, the marshal's office number, is forwarded to me or the deputy marshal because we're out in the field primarily so we can best respond as quickly as possible. But the reason we prefer to use the web portal is because we can get that versus if we're busy, we might not be able to get to that phone call immediately. So we like to have good customer, because the citizens are our customer, response. And we like to do that as quickly as possible so that they know that we have received their complaint and that we'll be working on it. Can you um, dig in a little bit as to when would be a better time for someone to call you versus 911? Like, for instance, if they see something going on with an animal um, in the moment, it needs to be taken care of swiftly. Would that be better to call you or to call 911? Call 911. Call 911 unless it's an unless it's jeopardizing the animal. And let's just say a dog, unless there's a, a immediately jeopardizing the the animal, uh, uh, there's a threat to its immediate life. If, if you can wait, go ahead and call Animal Control, Animal Services, and the Marshal's Office in, it, in either order, and we'll get to it. But if that animal is in direct jeopardy of, of loss of life, call 911. Okay. Well, again, as we mentioned earlier, um, given everything that you do, I'm, I'm sure people misunderstand all the time the purpose of your office. I'm just curious if um, you could tell us a little bit about maybe – common misconceptions that you get, or is there anything you would like to sort of clarify about what y'all do? Just just keep in mind that this office and the marshal's office is primarily established for enforcing the code of ordinances for Pickens County. Uh, And I always encourage people, if they want to get a better understanding of that, to go to the Pickens County website and look at the code of ordinances for Pickens County because it is so involved, and that will show you what we do. Mm-hmm. Now, here again, if you need us, call us for anything, and we'll get it sorted out. We're never going to turn anything down. We'll get it sorted out. If you're confused, don't know who to call, you call us, and we're going to get it sorted out. We'll get it figured out. Uh, there's things some, sometimes that didn't necessarily, quote-unquote, under the marshal's purview that we handle anyway. The sheriff's office has helped us out on multiple occasions, and part of what we do is we assist each other as needed. Uh, So don't hesitate. If you're not sure who to call, we're more than welcoming to your call. Well, Chief Marshal Mike Carswell, thank you for giving us uh, some time this afternoon and coming by. It's been my pleasure. I have to say that I really like Mike's outlook on what he does. The end goal of him responding to a call is working through whatever the issue is and not just writing a citation. 
but even beyond that, just taking the time to work with folks on whatever issue they bring. Even if it's not something his office handles, he and Cheyenne will make it a priority to put you in touch with the person who does. It can be easy at times to forget, but the ultimate end of enforcing laws and ordinances is to do so in service to the public, and I'm grateful to see that's something our marshal's office has taken to heart. Even so, I think that we owe it to them to be as informed as we can before bringing something to their attention. So, if you feel like you have something you should report to the marshal's office, check the description for a link to our code of ordinances, which includes a search bar to find key terms. Also in the description, you will find links to their webpage and a phone number when you're ready to reach out to their office. Moving on, though, we are going to transition to the calendar portion of our show, where we take a look at events coming up around the county. When it comes to government meetings, you can find a full list on our website, pickensga.com, under the upcoming meetings section. As far as the Board of Commissioners goes, we had a work session, a regular meeting, last Thursday, in which we took a look at the quarterly finance report. In case you missed out on that one, you can go to the No Pickens YouTube channel, where Mary always posts a recording of past meetings. Otherwise, the BOC will have another work session and regular meeting on Thursday the 17th at 4.30 and 5.30 p.m. respectively. Now, something that's a little out of the ordinary is that we are going to have a town hall held by the board on Tuesday the 29th at 6.30 p.m. in the Junior High Auditorium. The topic of this town hall will be to discuss the future of parks and recreation. Chairman Sansel talked a little bit about this in our previous episode, and as he alluded to then, it's a bit of a complicated topic. Nevertheless, this is a great opportunity to let the commissioners know what you would like to see and to get a better idea of what our options are. So, if you have an interest in the future of parks in Pickens County, be sure to come out to the Junior High Auditorium on Tuesday, the 29th. Now, moving into the community events, the best place to find out about what's going on can be found on the calendars of visitpickensga.com and nopickens.com. It is going to be a busy month starting this Saturday with the first annual Good Samaritan Community Jamboree. Now, in case you're not familiar with Good Samaritan, they are a health and wellness center that provides all kinds of medical services at free or low cost, depending on a person's individual circumstances. Well, this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., they'll be putting on a free family-friendly event in Lee Newton Park. Now, I've got to say, this jamboree is going to have it all from live jazz music, bounce houses, a petting zoo, and barbecue and ice cream trucks to boot. This is going to be an absolute blast. If you don't have any plans for this Saturday, come on down to Lee Newton Park for a good time and learn about a great resource in our community. Now, the day after this, there will be another event at Lee Newton Park, that being the Sergeant David Collins Memorial Show and Shine. Sergeant David Collins was a native of Jasper who gave his life on Palm Sunday while serving in Iraq back in 2006. Sergeant Collins' family typically honors his memory each year with a memorial bike ride, but this year they're doing something a little bit different. On Sunday the 13th, they will be hosting an event to raise money for the second phase of the Veterans Memorial Park. This will include vendors, raffle drawings, and a whole host of vehicles to be judged. Whether you have a motorcycle, an 18-wheeler, or anything in between, bring it out and show a little bit of spirit this Sunday. If you have questions or are interested in participating, you can reach out to Elizabeth Collins by phone at 770-557-7631 or by email at collins 070703 at gmail.com. And finally, have you ever wondered why there's so many Jeeps in this town? Well, it's not just the dealership. It's also because of Sheriff Donnie Craig's annual Jeep Fest, which is kicking off with a night ride on Thursday the 31st. Every, every Labor Day weekend, folks come from all over the southeast to show off their Jeeps and to put them to the test on a series of mud runs and obstacle courses. Along the way, there will also be all kinds of vendors, live music, and other attractions throughout the weekend. 
And the really great thing about this event is that it's also a fundraiser with proceeds going to the Sheriff's Foundation, an organization that gives a variety of charities to youth programs, including the Georgia Sheriff Youth Home, Pickens County Special Olympics, Boys and Girls Club, and a whole lot more. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, come on out to Jeep Home Base this Labor Day weekend. Registration is $100 per Jeep, but it is absolutely free if you just want to come along and spectate. For more information, you can follow the Sheriff's Jeep Fest Facebook page or visit their website, sheriffsjeepfest.com, for this year's agenda and any updates. We'll now close with a question to the chairman, the part of the show where you, the listener, get to ask a question to Chris Stansel. So let's tune in and hear what viewers wanted to know. So Chris, at the uh, time of recording, we're just getting over a pretty bad storm we had a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, back when that happened, we got a uh, question from one of the viewers I'd like to read to you now. This is uh, from Lenny Melvins. Lenny says, Hi, I want to take a minute and say thank you to everyone who worked to clean up after the storm we had. I saw crews working all throughout the weekend, and I know a lot of people put a lot of hours into getting the power back on and roads opened up. One thing I am curious about, though, is why a tornado warning didn't go out. I saw on Facebook that we may have actually had two, so why didn't the sirens go off? Either way, I guess this is a good reminder that even thunderstorm warnings should be taken seriously. Thanks again to you and everyone else who have been working around the clock. Lenny. So, yeah, if you don't mind, could you talk to Lenny's question about why we didn't hear a tornado warning, but also just tell us generally how the cleanup effort uh, went and where things stand today. Yeah, so as far as the warning, uh, and I think a lot of people don't, fully understand, but it's triggered by a warning issued by the National Weather Service. It's not a locally alert uh, alerted thing, whether that's the code red system or the tornado sirens going off uh, physically. So if, if a tornado watcher warning is never issued from the National Weather Service, we never have an opportunity to, to trigger anything that's going to cause that. In this particular case, um, a, a thunderstorm warning came out probably at the exact same time that it was hitting the ground. Uh, there was no advance heads up. Uh, if you had looked earlier on the day onto the forecast, I think there was a chance of thunderstorms, which is common in the summertime. So I think people kind of look and, and read right past it. We were we were actually here at the office, um, had just finished a work session. We were walking out of the work session when that thunderstorm warning popped up. But looking outside, the storm seemed stronger than just your typical thunderstorm. So we moved everybody to the basement uh, originally with the intent to cancel the regular meeting, but then realizing that if we canceled, we'd send everybody out right in the middle of the worst of the storm. So we went ahead and, and had a 20-minute meeting and kind of kept everybody in place uh, during that time. So we were kind of in the same boat as, as everyone else with, with no no warning. I think during the course of that 20-minute meeting, the phone started to ring repeatedly, and, and we realized this was more than just a, a, a typical summer storm. So... That is that is it. We did talk to a representative from National Weather Service when they were up evaluating the storm, and he he just said it it just popped up. It's one of those storms that that it wasn't like it was on the ground tracking from Alabama coming across like we see a lot of times. It was one that just popped up and and it was on the radar at the same time it was on the ground. So there wasn't a an opportunity to to do that uh, to to give that issue that warning. So it's. It's always important not just to rely on on sirens and alarms, but but your surroundings and and you know checking the forecast and and making sure you have have ways that you can can follow up and check. Um, and when you when you see it looks like it's getting pretty bad, go ahead and take the same precautions with or without a warning. Um, you know, like I said, we 
with a thunderstorm warning, we moved to the basement of the building, but it was just based on watching the wind and how, how dark the sky got and the amount of lightning that was, was coming up with it. Uh, and I think that's just important for, for all of us to, to pay attention for good storm safety. Uh, as far as the, the overall storm, the cleanup, um, it's been it's been amazing the amount of work that has gone in from, from our crews. I think for for the size of our, our public works and public utilities departments to be able to have invested so much in what they've, what they did, you know, initially they came in that, that night, worked all through Thursday night, all, all through the weekend, um, and continued throughout last week. Um, last Friday was the first day that they finally had an opportunity to take a break. And if you've, if you've looked at our weather, um, you know, the humidity and the heat last week was, was some of the worst that it's been. And we had crews that were cutting up trees and moving them. We had a, a total of 108 roads uh, that are county roads. That's not including state, private, um, or, or city roads. That's just 108 that are actually county roads that were affected with, with trees, most of them with multiple trees, some of them with a little bit more minimal. So the crews are just having to go road to road and and just remove whatever's in the right-of-way to start trying to get that out. And that, A lot of those right-of-ways include some of people's, you know, the front parts of their yards and um, I think it's been evidence that, that some of the, the families have pulled the pulled their debris up to, to those piles, which is understandable, understandable for sure. It's just going to be a slow process. I know they started on uh, Old Grandview Road thinking that that would be a day or two project, and, and four days later they finally got off of Old Grandview Road hauling one truck after another uh, of debris. They're, uh, they're currently working you know, on, on both the east and the west side. We've got two county crews uh, from the Public Works Department which is our road department that are working the east side of the county. And then we've got one crew that's our public utilities, which is our water department, that's been fully working on trying to help with storms. So we have three crews just jumping from, from road to road. Uh, trying. We were doing the best we could to try to get as much cleared before the buses started this week uh, with school starting back to, to try to make these roads as passable as possible. Uh, we worked closely with the school system so that they could check the routes. We gave them a list of those 108 roads so that they could go and check and see where uh, where they needed to focus their attention on on rerouting their buses. So it's just going to be a little bit of a slow process. Um, I've gotten a lot of questions about declarations, whether we got declared uh, by the state or the federal government. And we've worked closely with GEMA on on trying to get a full understanding. And, and essentially for the storm to be declared to get the resources from FEMA to come in, like what has happened in some other storms in the past, the total impact of the storm has to reach the ballpark of $19 million. Um, and that's damage to county roads and infrastructures along with your rural um, EMCs or Amicola Electric would be included in that as well, along with the other electric companies in the other counties that were hit. So we've worked with the other counties to provide all that data to the, the state with estimates for storm cleanup and the total for this particular storm at that as of last week was at 11 between 11 and 12 million. GEMA really didn't feel like the remaining uh, items that hadn't come in would come anywhere near the remaining 7 million that would be needed to, to reach that threshold. So we have not been declared, which means we, we don't have access to those, those state and federal resources that, that come in after a storm's been declared. Um, who that affects the most? I mean, obviously, we're talking about it from a cleanup. A government doesn't get reimbursed for cleanup, but, but um, who it really affects the most is people without insurance. So uh, some of those homeowners that didn't have insurance that, that had property damage don't have those available resources to, to come in. 
and that's the most frustrating. I mean, I, just to, to kind of put it blunt, is, is it is frustrating from a, from a government perspective because you really want to to try to help everyone that you can, but we just don't have the the funds that are coming in to do it. Um, I've seen where some some local nonprofits. I know the the Sheriff's Foundation stepped in to try to help with with a couple of incidents. Uh, the Red Cross was here to provide some initial aid to, to some people that were displaced from their homes or, or their homes were destroyed. Um, and some other, you know, churches and nonprofits and groups that have gone around as well. So it's, it's great to see a community come together. Um, but that's a that's a tremendous loss for a family. Um, and so that's the, the more difficult challenge is to, to how do we take care of those that didn't. The others, it's a, it's a tremendous frustration to file the insurance claim and to deal with all that, that comes. And, and unfortunately, if the trees didn't hit your house, then, then insurance doesn't typically cover uh, the removal of that. So it's just, it, you know, I think homeowners are dealing with that slow process of trying to remove what they can get removed and um, clear paths to where they can get through. Uh, we worked really hard uh, during the initial response to clear the roads to where at least there was a lane path going through. Uh, that included some driveways with trying to make sure people could get in and out of their homes. So we've we've seen that uh, continuing. We had a, a call just a couple of days ago. There was somebody that had been in their home for a week. And yeah. Just they were lived off a private drive in in a wooded area, and they didn't they didn't leave. And they waited close to a week before they called to ask for some help pulling some trees so they could get out. Um, and so those calls, it's it's kind of strange that you know we're we're almost two weeks um, at this point at the time we're recording from from when the storm hit from the that time and people were still still struggling to get out. So it's 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 going to be slow. Um, I, I would love to say we'll have all the roads cleaned up in the next week or so, but there's just no way that it's it's humanly possible that we'll have our crews to each of those 108 roads. Some of them will move through really quick. Some of them. Like I said, uh, could be you know a week or two at a time. I, I know we've got a crew right now on Fitz Road, which is one of the worst hit areas of the county. Um, well, as soon as the the second crew finishes some some areas around Cove Road, they're going to come to the other side of Fitz and try to get that road cleared out. But the the number of trees uh, that are down in the right of way that that got pushed out of the edge of the road there was was astronomical in the the Fitz and Dank Road area. Uh, they were hit. We just finished a, a section of Four Mile Church Road to get it cleared, which was another area that was was hit tremendously. Um, we've got crews trying to work their way up to Henderson Mountain to the Salico area. Um, there's there's trees. The the roadway is passable. It's clear. You can you can drive through, but they're they're barely out of the the right of way. So it'll it'll be a slow process, but we will we will get through it. We'll we'll have it cleaned up, and and hopefully by the time we're showing off the leaves in the fall. We'll uh, we'll have the roads looking looking good again. Well, s- speaking of the cleaning up, I know you and the other commissioners met uh, and passed something to do with uh, lifting the burn ban for yeah. debris. So it's it, it's unique because Pickens County, in our proximity to the metro uh, area, we fall within a metro burn ban, and it's not as much the fire safety as it is the um, the smog, the air quality. So because of where we are in proximity to Atlanta, we fall within that category that we're in a burn ban for certain months out of the year. And we were able to, to send a request. We, we had an emergency meeting. We met. We voted to authorize a request to be sent to GEMA requesting that the burn ban be lifted. They then worked with the other state partners, uh, with the Georgia Forestry Commission and with the Environmental Protection Division. 
and within 24 hours, we had a we had a memo back from the the EPD authorizing us to to lift that burn ban, um, putting some parameters in place. But they gave us a 60 day window uh, for that burn ban to be lifted. I will I will tell a, a a funny story, but it was in the in the creation of the request we requested specifically a 60 day lift of the burn ban to allow people to to burn some debris on their property without looking at a calendar, sent that request over, and they granted exactly what we asked for, which was 60 days, which means that that, that burn ban uh, relief was was lifted until uh, September, I believe it's the 24th. But every year that burn ban expires on September the 30th, so we'll have a six-day window <laughs> at the very end of September when if we had, had, had really studied that it was going to be that close, we would have just requested for the remainder of the, the, the burn ban. Uh, so I learned a valuable lesson in in checking those dates before you request because they're going to literally grant you what you request. So mm-hmm. uh, the burn ban's been lifted for that time. Um, there are a couple numbers we posted them on our social media page for anybody that looks on Facebook of who to call when you are going to burn. Um, it's just that we have a record to show that it's been logged and uh, and they can kind of watch it. It has some specifics on. The size of the pile that it, it has to be, you know, tree debris and, and outdoor debris. This isn't for trash, and it's not an opportunity just to burn everything. But um, we wanted to make that available to save people money. We also, anything that's small enough that can go through our chipper, which is 8 inches or smaller, anybody that wants to carry that to um, where we have our wood chip pile, which is close to the animal shelter off of uh, Nikki Fay Lane near the animal shelter, um, you're welcome during any time during daylight hours to go drop off those piles there. And then when we get the chipper back from the road, we'll, we'll chip that up as well. So that gives somebody else another opportunity for places to, to haul some of that smaller debris. And, and we'll get that chipped up as well. Uh, I think there have been several the people that are in the firewood business have been going around and offering to get hardwoods off of some people's property to, to, to continue. So um, I think that's that's been been working in some areas. There's others that it was mostly pines, and 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 they're not they're not as fortunate. But we're trying to trying to make as many possible ways as we can to to take that burden off uh, as best we can. Well, Chris, thanks for that update, and um, I'll just echo what Lenny said here and just say thank you to all the crews who responded and everybody who's continuing to help put the community back together. Um, and I'll remind you, if you have a question for Chairman Stancil, you can email us at questions at pickenscountyga.gov, where if your question is concise enough and appropriate enough, we might just put it on the air. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Around Pickens podcast. I'm Graham Parker. And I'm Chris Stancil. And we'll see you around.